Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Padres Social Hour. It is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020, and that means summer camp is officially underway. Players around Major League Baseball began officially reporting uh, to their team's facilities uh, for the start of what is essentially spring training 2.0. Padres are expected to do intakes today and tomorrow and then officially work out on Friday. Though, of course, the work on the field uh, was going on today, has been going on for the guys that have been in town All of it points to we are getting a little bit closer to what we hope will be opening day 2020 coming up either in, what, 22 or 23 days from right now. Very happy to be joined by uh, the little lefty and the big righty today on the show. We're talking pitching with Randy Jones and uh, Bob Scanlon, both pulling double duty with Social Hour this week. Appreciate that very much, RJ. How are you? I'm a little grumpy, but I'll be all right. You know, I I can handle this hour, but I've got an edge to me today. You know, I'm sorry. I apologize. I love it. You know, I'm I'm 70. If I can't have an edge, get over it, both of you. Take a hike. I love this. You know what? Even though we haven't been playing ball, it is so ingrained in his DNA, his internal calendar, that he knows this is the time of year where it's getting hot, guys get grumpy. He's right back in mid-season playing for him. I love it, RJ. Honestly, this all started like five minutes ago. You know, before the show, we were kind of talking and going back and forth. And all I could do, Scan, I just kept thinking and thinking, what can I say to, like, set Randy off? Because he's all agitated today. And I think it's very entertaining. But then we start the show, Randy, and you turn into you, you turn into a peach. Well, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest, though. You know, I'm tired of some of this BS. I'm ready to get on the mound and knock somebody on their ass. That's what I'm ready to do, okay? Just so you know where I'm at, okay? Go ahead, guys. RJ, I got your back, man. I wish I was catching you right now because I would grab (laughs) that guy before he got to the mound for you, buddy. I, I just want to know who you're gonna throw at. I mean, that's that's sort of what I'm most interested in. I but don't I, care. I don't care who it is. I'm <laughs> nailing him. I'm gonna oh, hit him. Fantastic. Might be us, right. Jesse. Look out! Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> you can brush me back. You can brush me back. Then I found that I'm not. I'm not phase one, phase two, phase three. Jess, you know, I'm not even invited till we start games. I'm done. I mean, you're not you a here. I'm not a tier one, tier two, tier three. What is there a tier four? Uh, I don't believe so. No, I think bullshit. There's a, a T four. Now I'm a four. I'm hey a Jesse, four. you know what? It's tough when you're at legend category, right? <laughs> where, the, where the organization does whatever they can to make sure that you stay healthy. The rest of us, yeah, we're just cannon fodder. Just throw us out there. But there's certain people who are icons of this organization that do need to be taken care of. So, amen to that. Yeah, let, let's keep the guys in tier 35 and tier 51 safe. That's uh, what I would say uh, as far about uh, all of that goes. Uh, you know, I, can't ar- I can't argue with that. Man. All right. All right. But all right we want you healthy, down. man. We want to be able to do this, uh, you know, some other time with you in a different way. <laughs> Uh, scans, we weren't there today, which is odd because if this like were regular spring training in Peoria, we would be there. We'd be feeling it. We'd be sensing it. We'd be talking to guys. Um, but what would your guess be as to what today, tomorrow might be like? It's, it can't be exactly the same as the start of spring training in mid-February, but it probably feels a little bit similar for some of the guys. 
Look, there's been a lot of guys who have been in San Diego working out. So for them, it's nothing new. But to your point, there's a lot of guys that are coming in for the first time. And it's going to be a reunion. And this is the fun part. This is what guys have been looking forward to for the last few months is a chance to get back together with their teammates, see the boys, see the fellas, you know, start sharing some stories and, hey, what have you been up to? What's going on? And, you know, all the stuff that goes on, the great just talk that takes place in a clubhouse, not just baseball talk, but personal talk. What's going on in your life? How are things going? You know, the things that you share as friends and as teammates. So hopefully some of that is going on. But granted, I would imagine it's going to be a little bit strange because there is social distancing. It's not the usual I haven't seen you a couple months, man, you know, going for the bro hug and, and the high fives and all that kind of stuff that that sh- probably isn't going on. And that's going to be kind of awkward. RJ, you know, I would imagine everybody's happy to see each other again, but it's got to be a little bit awkward. I would oh. think having that reservation. Yeah, sure. You get checked when you get in, lock the doors of the clubhouse and do what you want, guys. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, social distancing. I'm not buying that. You know, these, these, these guys are professional athletes and, you know, as long as they're healthy, they, they don't have the virus. You know, let's let, let's play. You get in the clubhouse and stuff, and you know how it works. Scans, we've been there too many years. You know, <laughs> this social distancing. What are they going to do, sit around and wear masks? I don't think so. I just know ball players, and, you know, we, we probably won't have any video, but I don't think that's going to happen, gentlemen. I, I see why, that. by the way. I see now why you're not tier one, tier two, or tier three. Yeah. <laughs> Keep RJ away from freaking Tatis, man. I know. I know, man. You're so right. You should just keep me away. I'm not arguing about it. You know, I might get grumpy about it, but I do understand it. You know, I I don't I don't like the idea of it either, RJ, believe me. But at the same time, I don't like the idea of somebody being irresponsible out there, bringing that virus into the clubhouse, spreading it to all the players and and guys for just you know, stupid reasons taking away from the opportunity of other guys to be able to continue the season for fans to be able to enjoy the season and for fans to be able to see the best baseball that every team can possibly bring to the field on a daily basis. So look, I I agree with you. Nobody likes it. um, But hopefully there is some consideration with these guys and understanding. All right. I mean, this is my last comment on it, but how, how did you get in the clubhouse if you have it? Just tell me how you get in the clubhouse if you have it. They're scanning everybody. Every time you move, you change expressions. They're checking your temperature. Yeah, everything but, else. Well, what do you want them to do? That's why you got I mean, to quarantine that everybody guys, talks about. Because yeah, if you have the thing, you might not test positive for 14 days after picking it up, and you can still spread it around. That's you the know, you know what? You know, I'm going to take this thing off pretty soon. I'm going to go get my own mask and put her back on because you guys are making me <laughs> sick. Your own house. All right, you guys, you guys are bugging me. All right, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. And they're, they're in their, and they're in their own house. They're in their own house in the clubhouse, and it should be clean. All right, that's fine. all I'm saying, Doctor. I'm done. Anyway, all right. So as you said, last one on that. Um, Ron Fowler uh, hasn't said much publicly, the Padre owner, very involved in the negotiations between uh, the league and the Players Association, which obviously were rather bumpy uh, for the last several months. We covered that ad nauseum here. Um, And and I don't bring this up because he's the guy that ostensibly signs my checks. Obviously, he does. I work for the Padres. You know, I don't want to conceal that or anything like that. Um, But he he made some comments in articles uh, last night, Kevin Acey in the Union Tribune, this morning, Dennis Lynn in The Athletic. That I wanted to call some attention to, uh, the, and, and I encourage you to read both pieces, but Ron's outlook here and his approach and what he said, I thought was incredibly more realistic and empathetic 
and just thoughtful than anything we've heard out of MLB, meaning, I guess, the commissioner's office and all the leaks that we've heard. He was just so honest about it. So here he is talking about the on-field aspect of it, the baseball aspect of it. I don't think anything has changed in terms of our views of what success would be defined as. They really haven't. I do think Preller's move to expand our bullpen was prescient. Bullpen is going to be critical because the starting pitching is not going to be lengthened out as much as you would like in a normal season. Obviously, you talked all about scans, you know, what we've talked so much about in terms of, you know, the, the season and what it might look like. Um, and then off the field. And this is what I really wanted to call attention to. Um, this is mostly about whether fans would or, or would not be involved. And again, I just thought this was so much more realistic and gentle than what we've heard from a lot of the people, even in sports media, not locally, not calling anybody out in particular, but just generally, we have to take it from the health people. I don't think they feel it's going to happen, talking about fans here. If they don't feel it's going to happen, we don't think it's likely to happen either. But if things change, we can do it with social distancing. We'll do everything in our power to make it work. Every time there's a reopening, we seem to go too fast and it pushes us back. I'd like to say it's going to happen, but I don't think it will. And that's an abundance of safety. I'd rather err on that side than trying to bring people in and create problems. Again, I I just really enjoyed the tone of his remarks. And you can check out more uh, both in Kevin's story and in Dennis's. Um, But, Bob, I don't think it's a small thing that one of the 30 owners would come out and say, yeah, probably not going to have fans in the building this year. I mean, they've been trying to avoid saying that, it seems, on the MLB level the last couple of months. Uh, And maybe in some places they will try. uh, But, uh, again, I thought Ron really realistic about it. This is, I think, consistent Ron Fowler in terms of what we've come to expect from him. He's always very honest and he's always very candid about things. And I think this is no exception. And I think that he's right on in terms of honestly saying, look, we don't know what's going to happen. We certainly don't know what's going to happen over the rest of the season in terms of the ability to bring fans in. And he extended into next season as well, saying, look, even if things calm down, we don't know what's going to happen next year. It could be a situation where Maybe we can only fill our, our ballpark, you know, 40% or 50%, whatever it may be. The point is, I think they're right. And I think baseball does have a responsibility to sort of, you know, keep an eye out for, for fans and try to do the best by them. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough balancing act, isn't it? You want to get your product back on the field. And part of that is having fans in the ballpark, being able to enjoy it. That's part of what players are there for. That's part of what every city relishes their major league teams about. Um, so it's, it's a tough balancing act, but I do believe that he's accurate in saying, look, let's just be honest. We don't know what's going to happen this year, let alone what's going to happen next year. Um, I think it's just sort of getting everybody prepared for what may come, but let's appreciate what we have right now, which is the chance to get baseball back on the field. RJ, I don't know how you feel about it, but, uh, I think it was pretty honest on Ron's part. Well, God, you yeah, God, hell, let's use a little common sense. And that's what Ron Fowler's you know, doing gentlemen, yeah. a little common sense here in this whole thing. And we have to rationalize that. I mean, we safety first. I understand that, you know, but we, it's, everybody seems to be elusive, but, you know, just use a little common sense and do things, you know, properly. You like you're saying proper distancing and stuff, but you know, I know the reality when I joke about the, the clubhouse and you close the door, you know, I, I got your six feet. I ain't buying it, you know, because I, I just, I've done this for too many years. So have you skins and, you know, uh, I, I'm just thinking overall. Uh, this is going to be so productive and so positive overall for everybody, in the, in, I think, in the entire country once we get this cranked up and get it going. Um, I, I just can't say enough about that. But uh, listen to Ron Fowler. It's just a little bit of, you know, a, a, a common sense. And, and that's what we got to do. We got we to go that way, you know, and, and that's what you do. You look at everything and, and, and make good decisions. And that's all we have to do. Yeah, it was so measured. You know, it seems like so much of the rhetoric – 
uh, as I guess with everything in this country right now, has been, you know, way on one side or way on the other. Uh, you know, you're hearing from people, you know, who are like shooting off fireworks. Baseball is back. You know, finally, it's about time. And the people on the other side who are writing, hey, this is a disaster. We shouldn't even be trying. You know, I think Ron came down very, you know, intelligently in the middle somewhere like, hey, we understand the risks. We understand the situation. We're going to give it a go, Bob. We're going to give it our best effort. And we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens because we've never done this before. Very measured, not only in terms of the response that I think Major League Baseball needs to take, but also I thought that he was very measured in his response in, in, in regards to the negotiations that took place over the course of us getting to this point, because we have to remember Ron is at the, the head of the owners group in terms of doing a lot of these negotiations with the players association. And we all know that it, it got, it got heated. You know, there was, there were some disagreements about how things should, should take place. But I love that he said, look, there's no animosity. There's no hard feelings about anything. It's just business and it's time to play baseball. So let's enjoy this. Let's make the most of this opportunity that we have to get back on the field. We'll worry about next year, next year, but, it, but let's do what we can to get things going this year. And I, I just liked, as you mentioned, I think what you said was perfect, Jesse, just the tone of everything that he had to say, I thought was right on. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it very, very yeah. possible. But I got to ask, Scans, where are you at? Where am I at? Yeah, I mean, the, the background, I mean, the map, the map on the wall. I mean, I I don't it's remember. The library this. across the street from the wall. <laughs> uh, you you got to get internet wherever you can, right? I mean, the, the library is a good place. Then you know this. This is my Are office <laughs> at my house. Okay. I got I got the map over here, and we got little okay. pictures of all the places that my wife went with me over the course of my career, and I got shipped off to Mexico and Venezuela <laughs> and Dominican Republic, and who else knows where else they wanted to ship me off to? And then that one Will there you? was. Uh, I got a picture of me with Yogi Berra on that. On that See, one over we, there, so. we could do a whole story about those travels. We could well, do I a like whole yours story. Better. I, want to, I wanted to hear about, I, I, I want to wear the big basses behind you, you know, <laughs> the, the big deer's head and everything. Uh, hunting Lodge, that. Randy Jones Hunting I, Lodge. I, I was just curious. I don't remember that map last time we were doing the show. That's all. Yeah, it's always been there. Jesse, where, where are you broadcasting from, by the way? Is that Mercator, by the way? Is that, I remember correctly, from uh, middle school, the Mercator map? Uh, I'm in my <laughs> wife's home office. <laughs> from home. Uh, the, I have a room where I like to do work, calling it an office, probably overstating it. Uh, but the internet connection here, much better uh, than in my room. And obviously, this all is uh, important to have good internet. Pumpkins, a lot of people have asked over the last couple of months while we've done this show. Uh, pumpkins are left over from Halloween. My son, who's four, for some reason, they ended up in here. At some point, there's leftover Halloween candy, mostly Smarties, which he doesn't want. Can't blame him. And uh, so they're just in here. It's a great story. I got no map. I got no wood panels. I got nothing. You know, I got a, I got a tree and a couple pumpkins. That's what I got. You, you've got stuff from your kids. There's nothing better than that, Jesse. Nothing yeah, that's better. True. And I got my KT Wiz hat from Scan. So I'm, I'm all set. I'm all <laughs> set. Uh, it's funny because, you know, we, we've gone through – all of this sort of together on this show the last couple of months, all the negotiations with MLB and the players and what the season might look like, what it might not look like. And we sort of lived it and lived it and lived it. And a little bit in the background, we would continue to check in on the other pro sports and what they were doing. And to me, one of the funniest things was all along uh, the NFL, who of course has the benefit of kind of waiting longer than everybody else to come back. But the NFL, and I used to work for an NFL team, so I, I know how they think in that league office. Um, you know, they, they continued regularly to insist it's going to be business as usual we're doing our draft we're doing this we're going to have training camp we're going to have rookie camp everything's going to be the same as always well today 
uh, we find out everything will not be the same as always. Instead of four preseason games, NFL teams this year will play only two. Now, that's not a huge deal by any stretch of the imagination. I think a lot of people in football would tell you four preseason games is two or three too many, uh, even in a normal year. Um, But it does sort of begin to chip away a little bit at that veneer, Bob, that they've been putting up, uh, that everything would be business as usual. And look, obviously with fans, with no fans, it's not the end of the world. Um, But this is the kind of first big thing I feel like we're seeing out of the NFL. And again, they're not going to get started until August, so they got a little bit more time to play with. Um, But here we are on July 1st and, and something is happening. Well, finally, they had to crack, right? I mean, they tried to hold up the, the shield as long as they possibly could. And this surprises me. Now, Jesse, I, I don't know squat about the NFL, and you, you are very versed in it. So it surprises me that you said one preseason game is probably enough for these guys because I look at it and I just see all these guys running around in different patterns, and the defenses have to know what they're doing. The offense has to run all their plays. And it just seems like there's so much coordination that has to take place. Now, maybe all that can be duplicated in a, in a practice scenario. I don't know, but it seems like games would be important. But the, the thing to me is all along, I mean, we're talking about the NBA and the MLB and all the steps that they're taking to have the social distancing. There's none in NFL. You can't even pretend, right? I'm, I'm very curious to see how they're able to pull off the season, um, you know, especially with guys being in close contact by the nature of the sport all the time. It seems like there's going to be a, a, a real open opportunity for, for that to be an issue going going through the uh, the the, uh, the locker rooms of, of NFL teams and in the, in the, scrum, the scrums and in the, the you know, attack ring and everything that goes on. RJ, I don't know how you feel about it, but it seems to me well, like if, if this is really an issue, that's going to hit the NFL more than any of the other sports. There, there's going to be more problems. I mean, it's got to be a miracle the next, you know, 60, 90 days, gentlemen. There, you know, you talk about what are you going to do? Wear a mask and hit a guy? I mean, yeah. come on, you know, it's yeah. not going to work. I mean, I mean there's about, a lot of questions. Those great NFL film shots on like a cold game, you got the offensive line exactly. with your fists. Yeah, and the breath is just going all <laughs> over each other. That's happening even when it's not cold, probably more when it's hot. Um, that just gives you an uh, ability to visualize it. Uh, we've heard the word droplets a lot in the last few months. A lot of droplets in the trenches of the football <laughs> game. And uh, yeah, I got, well, I'm with you. I got a hard time imagining it. I don't know if they're going to make everybody wear like plastic, you know, inserts inside their face mask or something or or what they'll come up with to try and make it a little bit more uh, safe. But it's, that's that's a tricky one. That's a real tricky one, to say the least. Um, all right. And, so that, and, I mean, you, in, hey, in baseball, we got to make we, we can handle this. We can do, you know, distancing. I mean, come on, man. The bases are 90 feet. I mean, mountains, 60 feet, 6 inches. Hello? I mean, yeah, a guy holding We're somebody legal. on the first base. That's about all you got to worry yeah. about. I love uh, this Randy that, Jones today. I love this did, guy. Let, let's get this guy up for every social line. The, the fired up Randy <laughs> Jones. Love I him. mean, I don't, I don't care if you hold the guy on first base when I was pitching. How'd he run anyway? What the heck? You know, you know get a double play ball and tell him to shut up. You know, golly. You know. Love it. Um, oh, man. Around bad. baseball today, if, you, if you're on Twitter especially, you've seen it. Every July 1st, uh, we hear about it. Bobby Bonilla Day. Uh, because for the 10th time... With 15 more to go on today's date, the Mets will pay Bobby Bonilla uh, almost uh, $1.2 million. Uh, he, he signed a deal in 99 as a free agent with the Mets, his second stint with the team. And they uh, they just continue and continue and continue to pay him in this deferred money. Now, it's called Bobby Bonilla Day. That is a, a misnomer uh, because Bobby Bonilla was not the first nor the last guy to have some kind of deal. But for whatever reason, you know, the, the Mets being the Mets, 
Bobby Bo being Bobby Bo, um, you know, you hear a lot more about him. The Padres, I think up until last year, were still paying Gary Templeton. Um, so, I mean, you know, this this is not something unique. That's first stint Bobby Bo. That's early 90s Bobby Bo, and he could still play uh, with the Mets. The, the funny <laughs> thing, I guess, is this one comes from later edition Bobby Bo, when he couldn't. He, By the way, he says he celebrates every year by going to get Ben and Jerry's. That's what he does uh, to celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day. Um, but there was a really good thread there kind of taking us through some of the other deferments. Um, and look, you saw with the Strasburg contract signed after the World Series last year, they're going to be paying him forever. It's become a very popular and useful tool in baseball. So again, it gets talked about because it's Bobby Bo, because it's the Mets. Um, but there are a lot of examples of uh, Bobby Bonilla type contracts around baseball. Um, Scanza, it's such an interesting one from the player perspective uh, because obviously you're, you're giving it up. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, it ain't bad getting a $1.1 million check every July 1st for most of your adult life. Look, I'm jealous. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I wish I was in Bobby Bo's. And he and I squared off in a fight one time. I should have asked him about it as we were about ready to throw blows. Like, come on, man, tell me, how'd you get that done? How'd you get that deal done? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Steve Phillips was the general manager of the Mets when that whole thing went down. And Steve was saying today on the radio, he's bummed out because he doesn't even get a Christmas card. From Bobby for all that money that's going his way. But there's so many interesting things that are going on with, with this story and how it came to be. I mean, basically what the Mets were trying to do is buy him out. They, they had him at the end of his career. They wanted to get rid of him. He was owed $5.9 million and in an effort to buy him out to free up cash because what they wanted to do is go get Mike Hampton to help them get to the World Series, which it did help him get to the World Series. But they wanted to free up that cash. And to do that, they created this deal. The problem was twofold. First of all, they offered him way too much on the interest rate. They, they said, we'll, we'll pay you 8% interest on that $5.9 million over the course of the next 35 years. And of course, that accrued up to be $29 million. Mistake number one. Mistake number two, the Mets were willing to offer that high interest rate for one reason. The Wilpon family at that time was investing with somebody who was making them a lot of money. Who was that investor? Bernie Madoff. Yeah. And so they just thought, you know what? We're going to put all this money, the, the, the money that we're saving from Bobby Bo, we're going to give it to Bernie Madoff, and he's going to give us 15 to 20% return on our money over the course of time. We're going to make money on this deal. Well, we all know what happened to Bernie Madoff. Things didn't work out quite the way they planned, and Bobby Bunny is the beneficiary of it. So good for him. Some other good ones I've got here, too. The Braves are still playing Bruce Suter uh, from payments back in 1985. That'll go on. Uh, next year will be the final year. They'll pay him $9 billion next July 1st. Bruce Sutter. So that one started way before Bobby Bonilla. Orioles are paying Chris Davis $42 million yeah. deferred money uh, from 2023 to 2032. You're seeing some of these other ones kind of scrolling through here. The Orioles are giving Ubaldo Jimenez $9 million uh, that began in 2018. I mean, there's some bad names in here too. I mean, there's some good ones, you know, guys that, that did their thing. Uh, Manny Ramirez getting money through 2026 from the Red Sox. Chris Sale getting $50 million in deferred payments from the Red Sox through 2039. Oh, um, I mean, there's just some uh, remarkable stuff going on in terms of all of that. So, yeah, we call it Bobby Bonilla Day. It's kind of taken on a life of its own, but it goes uh, well beyond Bobby Bo. But anyway, happy Bobby Bonilla Day to both of you guys. Uh, so that was uh, that's July 1st. That's a big July 1st. July 1st, also, Randy, a, a big day in baseball history because if you turn your calendar all the way back to July 1st, I'm going to get this right. I think 1859, 1859, I think. Do we have footage of that? 
the first ever college <laughs> baseball game uh, between Amherst and Williams. I believe the final score I have it here, 73 to 32. There were different rules uh, back then, obviously. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, RJ, I feel badly for the pitchers in the 73 yeah, to 32. Both, yeah, both. Hey, 73 to 32, that's almost a shutout, guys. Come on, man. I don't know who the other pitcher was. He was he, he was making it happen. He only gave up 32 runs. You know, you know but hey, it, it, this game's been around forever, and I, it's got to continue to you know be that way. You know, talk about all these players and deferred you know, payments, God bless them. And, you know, you know, scans, you and I both, you know, we're, we're old enough where we went through strikes to try to make this happen, create this scenario for our, for the players. Um, you know, I'm just, I don't think they really worry about their pension though, gentlemen, like, like we might in, in, in my era, you know, I mean, I have no idea what a, what a, what a ball player today, when they retire, they turn 60 years old. What's, what's, what is their pension compensation? I mean, that's scary to me. That's got to be a, a, a big number. You know, they're in a good situation when you, either way. You know, they're, they're not going to get hurt. So, you know, but overall, you know, like I say, it's, uh, you know, it, I, I think the game is still healthy. Um, you know, and, and we've done everything that we can. And, um, hey, it's got to get back to playing the game. Let's get real. Well, speaking of playing the game, I, I got to talk about this college game for a second. First of all, it took place in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Randy, did you ever play in that ballpark in Pittsfield? Negative. Oh, gosh. Jesse, hey, are you come on, man. The, the, <laughs> the chicken was in Pittsfield. <laughs> come on. That is the place where you have to stop the game after about the second inning because the sun sets right in center field. And so you would start a ball game. The sun is starting to set in center field. The hitters can't see anymore. And as pitchers were loving it, but they, still the umpire says timeout. And so you sit there for 15 or 20 minutes until the sun sets well, and you, you can resume the game. Did you play there? Did you play I did, there? yeah. I was a member of the – Get uh, out of here. Yes, 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 with the uh, the Reading Phillies. And we played over there in the in Pittsfield. I can't remember. I think it was the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken, at that time. Um, anyway, fond memories. And also the clubhouse at that time had one shower with a little bit of drip coming out of it. So the entire team had to take turns taking a shower one guy at a time. And he just basically went by seniority. Yeah, so. but, but wait, my question is, was it a trailer or was it a real locker room? No, well, it was a locker room that had about eight lockers in it. So you were sharing lockers with the other guys and you had one tiny little shower and it was just a wood shack, basically, that was ready to I fall mean, apart. I, and he, I, yeah. I, all, all I ever had is a trailer in the minor leagues. I yeah. never had a real clubhouse. I had so trailers. Good, good memories of Pittsfield. But also, Jesse mentioned the rule changes. You're going to like some of these rules, RJ. First of all, that was a 26 yeah. game that took three and a half hours, which is sort of RJ-esque in terms of its pace. <laughs> but they... They played one after inning. There were no balls. They can they can call a ball. These are the Massachusetts baseball rules. They played on a field that was square, so the field was square with no foul territory. But here's the best one, RJ. This one you would love, especially today. To record an out, you could do it by hitting one of the runners with the ball. So if you threw the ball at a at a base run, you successfully plugged him in the back. He was out. I know you'd love that one. I love this game. I'm I'm in. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's like kickball rules. You know, you just uh, peg somebody in their ass. I love this game, man. This and I guess, by the I way, pitching it. in Pittsfield, you would have been a, a southpaw for that game because the way that's, well, that's yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all turned around. So the you know left-handers are called southpaws because of where their arms are relative to the compass, but that place is backwards. So you would have been a southpaw for the only time in your career. <laughs> 
you know what? If I had stayed there, I might still be pitching. You know, <laughs> the lefties, as long as you can throw strikes and breathe, don't, right, Randy? Don't lose your head now. Don't, come on now. <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't think any of those guys were going to see them in the Hall of Fame, are we? Mm, probably yeah, not. Really digging into the 1859 Amherst Williams game, the first <laughs> uh, official intercollegiate uh, baseball game yeah. on this date many, many, many years ago. Uh, not as many years ago on this date in 1990. This is one of the craziest ones. I remember as a kid, I was eight, had to like wrap my head around it. My dad had to explain it to me several times. Uh, Andy Hawkins, of course, Padre, uh, was at this point a Yankee after signing a free agent contract. And the Yankees were in Comiskey to play the White Sox. And he threw a no hitter, and the Yankees lost four to nothing. That is really, really difficult to pull off, obviously, to throw a no hitter and lose. It's happened a handful of times in baseball history. It hadn't happened in, I think, about 25 years at that point. Um, but it, not only was it, you know, like a, usually you'd guess one nothing, like one weird thing happened. No, four nothing. All four runs scored by the White Sox in the bottom of the eighth inning. Um, and there were three errors in addition to a couple of walks. So if you've never heard the story before, or if you're just kind of rereading about it, you might say to yourself, I bet there was some shady official scoring, right? Because there's three errors and you think the guy, even on the road, is trying to keep the no-hitter alive. I'm here to tell you that was not the case. These were these were legitimate errors. And you start with the first one that gets the whole rally going. Two outs, by the way, nobody on base. That's 130-pound Sammy Sosa hitting the ball to Mike Blowers at third. And Blowers just goes to the backhand, uh, doesn't handle it well. So that kind of starts things. Now you see the reaction here. The kid working the scoreboard, as the story goes, immediately put hit up, even before the official score had the opportunity to rule. That's why the Yankee dugout was upset. But either way, it's called an error, as was correct. Certainly, uh, Blowers doesn't you know, do his best work defensively there. Good stretch by Donnie Baseball, but not enough. And uh, so that's the first base runner. A couple of walks after that. Then there's a fly ball uh, to left field that really causes some trouble. That is rookie catcher Jim Larritz desperately attempting to play the outfield on a very windy day in Chicago. Obviously doesn't go well. Ozzie Guillen scores. A couple other guys score. So now it's 3 nothing White Sox after this error. I got two legit E's at this point. And then the final one. Uh, that was essentially the the nail in the Yankee coffin goes to right field and uh, Jesse Barfield, who is an outfielder by trade. Uh, we've got wind, we've got sun, we've got trouble and unable to make the catch. Um, Scans, I mean, what do you remember about this when it happened? It is really hard to throw a no hitter and lose four to nothing. Yeah, this is pretty impressive. And what, what leads up to this whole story, Andy Hawkins was supposed to get released a few games before this even happened. Why? Because he had an 8.56 earned run average. And the Yankees came and said, hey, we're going to send you down. How do you feel about that? He said, well, I'm not too crazy about that. And it turned out the next day, Mike Witt actually got injured. So all of a sudden, after the Yankees telling Hawkins, we're going to send you out, they have to keep him on the roster. And it turns out that he has this outing. And you can see why the Yankees were so bad this year. They couldn't play defense. Um, but it's just one of those crazy things. And to his credit, and RJ, I know you're going to appreciate this, but but Hawk, he goes up to Loritz and says, hey, forget about it, kid. Don't worry about it. I mean, he did not point fingers at anybody, did not blame anybody. He just said, that's baseball. I love that old school approach. He just went out. He did the best that he could. He knew he knows the guys behind him are not trying to screw up, and he didn't blame it or point fingers at anybody. So kudos to him for handling it with class. Yeah, you know, and, and throughout the, everything else he was going through at that point in time, even to get the opportunity to pitch, you know, and, and I get that. And he was, you know, he was always a big league guy. I mean, even here with the Padres, you know, I thought he, he just he wore the uniform well, and I, re, I respected him and 
and the way he pitched, the way he approached the game, he always did it right, and and that didn't surprise me whatsoever. The the it- interesting thing, I guess, in addition to all the many other interesting things, here's Larry's, by the way, making a great catch early in the game. Um, so, you know, he's out there as a rookie playing a position that's uh, unfamiliar to him, uh, but unfortunately he wasn't able to grab the other one in the eighth inning. But um, so they, it was originally ruled an official no-hitter, and the next year – uh, Elias or MLB, whoever is in charge of such things at the time, said it's not an official no-hitter because it was only eight innings. Obviously, the White Sox didn't bat in the bottom of the ninth because they had the league, so they took the no-hitter away from Hawkins. You guys are both pitchers, but I would like your opinions on that, RJ. He threw as many innings as were available to him and didn't allow a hit. If you were running the world of baseball, would that be an official no-hitter? No. Got to be Nine. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, that's the way I look at it. Uh, eight innings, and uh, if your team screwed up that much, you know, get over it. It's not a no-hitter. <laughs> sorry. It's right, there you go. This it's a wrong day simple, to ask man. You, uh, yeah, well, you, you picked the wrong day to ask that question. I can tell you that. You know, but no. I mean, yeah, I threw an eight-inning no-hitter. Well, congratulations. Pat him on the back. Tell him to take a hike. You know, you ain't going to see that on a record book. You know, ain't going to work. It's not going to work with me, man. Nah. You know. I, I, I can't follow that up, Jesse. I'm just going to let the grumpiness and the surliness just sort of hang in the air there for a minute. Let everybody enjoy that. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'll, I'll just. I get it. I, I thought I saw two, a familiar face in there. First of all, Greg Hibbard was the opposing pitcher of Hawkins that day. I actually ended up playing with Hibby a little bit later in his career. And I remember him talking about that day, which was kind of crazy. And then also Billy Connors, I see him in the, in the, the, uh, in the dugout there for the Yankees. He was my first pitching or he's my second pitching coach in the big leagues. Um, so it's great to see some familiar faces, be a part of, uh, one of those, one of those strange games, strange baseball anomalies, even though, um, the hawk got ripped off, man, he sh- maybe should have gotten the no hitter. What do you think RJ? Get out of here, man. Come on, man. <laughs> You killing me? You know you get. You get. I don't care how you give up four runs. You can't get a no hitter. You give up four runs. He gets a complete game. I'm sure you had a lot of eight inning complete games on your ledger, right? You know, with those. Oh, you mean those? You mean those? Uh, all those losses? Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Jesse. Let's bring. Let's but bring some of those games, up, right? You know, if, if I got an eight inning complete game, I'm got a feeling that I didn't win. I'm not right? saying it's a win, but you still get credit for the complete I, game in the book, don't you? Well, whoop de doo. I like but W's. It's the same, I don't thing. Care. It's the same logic. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, really? An eight inning no hitter is just the same? He, if he would have huh? been allowed to pitch the ninth, that's great. I, I got, right, I got Jeff, no hitter. Jeff, Hawkins and no, no. Jesse, if you were a former pitcher, would you think an eight inning no hitter is legitimate? Jesse? I don't know, but I, I didn't pitch. I didn't pitch. Um, oh, this, this will happen to the Padres now. The Padres, by the way, come on, you know, <laughs> this is going to be a thing we're all going to have to deal with. And I'm going to pull up the videotape of RJ saying it's not a no hitter, it's not a no hitter when Chris Paddock oh, hey, is one nothing in, in an eight inning. Oh, game. yeah, I'll bury Paddock myself too. I you bull. Come on, Jesse, yeah. shame on you for even whispering that to the baseball hey, god. Shame on you. I know, I know. All right, so that was on this day in 1990. That was a Sunday, by the way. On Friday was the day that uh, Dave Stewart and Fernando Valenzuela each threw no-hitters. So a three-no-hitter weekend uh, in Mm -hmm. baseball. Again, not a no-hitter, though, according to MLB and Randy. But uh, nonetheless, nonetheless. Um, On this day last year, a sad 
sad day around Major League Baseball. Uh, Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs passed away. Um, Scans, I, I just remember, you know, look, unfortunately, things like this have happened, you know, a handful of times and, and do every couple of years. Um, but it, it, it's such an interesting place to be around a major league team in a major league clubhouse when you hear about something like this, because a, they're going to be guys who knew him personally. Uh, but even if they don't, it, it impacts every team in baseball. I, I think in such a significant way. It's a brotherhood, no matter what uniform other guys are wearing, you guys, it's a brotherhood. Major league baseball has always been that way. Um, and it's one of the strengths uh, of, of the game. It's one of the beautiful things about the game. And when you lose one of your family members of the baseball world, it, it resonates, especially when it's a young player who's in the prime of his career. Um, I mean, it really strikes home for, for every guy that's wearing a uniform that day in terms of, you know, even if I didn't know that guy, I've competed against him. I have teammates that have played with him or competed against him. And even more so in this generation where, where a lot of these guys have played against each other, either in uh, Little League games or the area code games, all the different showcases that go on, college baseball. There's a lot of interaction now. And by the time guys get to the big leagues, they've probably crossed paths or shared a clubhouse with these guys at some point. Um, you know, it was further sad news when we found out what had been going on, what the cause of death was and it was just sort of a reminder i think hopefully um to everybody that even though you're young even though you're a superstar you're you're not immune you know yeah you've got to be careful about things and i think it was a hopefully a little bit of a wake-up call and a reminder to all of major league baseball all pro sports that no matter what you do they're they're gonna be guys that are gonna try to self-medicate themselves to keep themselves on the field they're competitive they want to keep fighting they want to keep playing they don't want anybody to know that they're hurt that they're sore that they're going through injuries whatever it may be um, but there are some consequences, and this unfor- unfortunately was a dire one, and we certainly remember this, and hopefully people can learn from it as as we look back on his memory. RJ, did you have any experiences like that while you were playing, losing uh, losing either teammates or guys that you played against? You know, fortunately, no, I, I didn't, really did not. But I, I certainly understand. You, you talk about the camaraderie and, and, and what a Major League Baseball player, and I don't care how many, how many years you've been out of the game, if it's been five years, one year, 20 years there's that bond there's a family and then that's what we are and we all pull together and 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 try to help each other out and we i think the i don't think any any professional sports done a better job than baseball has has done you know more for that and when you lose a young guy like that at at the wrong time you know for whatever reason it's unfortunate and we need to learn and move on and and hopefully uh through those those problems and and it's worrisome, but also hopefully younger kids can learn from that, you know, and it'll make them better and just improve our base, our game as we move forward. Yeah. That's all I can say about that. Yeah. Well, very nicely said by both you guys. And again, uh, that was one year ago today. Uh, one final on this date. This isn't so much baseball history as much as it is Padres social hour history. It's a brief history. We understand that. Um, so for those of you maybe who are new to this show, we'll let you know. Uh in 2014, 15, and 16, Social Hour was on every day during the baseball season. Seven days a week, whether it was an off day, a day game, a night game, Padre Social Hour was on the entire season. And we came on for a normal 7 o'clock game, I want to say at 5.30. Uh, and we did an hour. And we had a lot of crazy things. I hosted it for two years. <laughs> Mike Janela uh, was the host for that third season. And, you know, it went away and then, you know, we brought it back because of the pandemic and quarantine and trying to bring a little bit of normalcy to everybody's life. But perhaps the greatest moment. No, no. 
the greatest moment in, in that brief three-year history <laughs> of Padres Social Hour took place on this date in 2015. I don't even know how to set this up other than to say um, Bill Center was my co-host that day, one of my co-hosts, and Lil John, the rapper, uh, I guess was doing a post-game concert, as I recall. Beautiful. So we had Lil John on the show, obviously. Why wouldn't we? And Lil John is an amazing entertainer and a hilarious guy, and we had great fun with him. Uh, and so at some point in the conversation with Bill and Little John, the oddest of odd couples sitting together on a sofa, <laughs> I, I asked Bill for his best. Yeah, that's that's as good as you're going to get out of me. You know, Little John's famous thing. And this is what transpired. Bill, uh, you got a yan you? I no, no, no. I'm not, I, listen, I, no. I'm, I'm I mean, you're sitting it. next to the actual I, professional. I Just go it. like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All that? right. That was good. That was good. Now that's going to be on social media. That probably will. <laughs> probably the last one I got. Little John from Bill Center, he's about to go viral, is not a sentence anyone would have ever, ever, ever thought would come out of anybody's mouth in the history of the world. Randy, how glad are you that you were not the guy on the couch? I am so happy that Bill Center was there. And I wasn't in the area code, gentlemen. You know, but um, I think Bill stepped up. He did all right, man. I mean, that, that's not bad. It's not bad. Just admire well, the, them on the couch for a moment. I mean... Well, no, that's, that's great. Out. This is beautiful. I mean, this is really the Padres Snoop Dogg and, and Martha Stewart moment yeah. right here, isn't it? I mean, and this is awesome. Jesse, I don't know how you kept a straight face through this entire broadcast. I, I mean, kudos to you for actually being able to, to sit there and, and not fall apart during this whole thing. This is incredible. Yeah. This is pretty good, he says. <laughs> Well, you, you don't know Bill personally. I, maybe it's not quite as funny, um, but I, I think people who watch this show have a pretty good sense of Bill. I mean, Bill's old school. He's straight laced, you know. It's Lil John, for goodness sake. Who put, who put those two together on the couch? Blooper, <laughs> I'm sure, and thank goodness uh, he did. Oh, <laughs> my God. I just can't believe that, you know. Yeah, you know, you know he, you're right. He did. That dumbass would put him on there. Yeah, he would. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Jesse, kudos yeah. to you for being there for one of the greatest moments on, on Padre's social. <laughs> Certainly the greatest in Padre's yeah. social. The main one of the best in broadcasting history. Kudos for you for getting up and leaving. Good job, yeah, man. And that, there was nothing like that. It was like, that was it. Uh, there's nothing else that could follow that that would have fit. Can we watch it? We'll watch it one more time with sound if we can. Drop the mic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, one more. Can we get one? I just, I mean, Bill, I uh, you got a yan you? I, no. No? no. Not, I, they, listen, I, I'm, I'm I mean, you're sitting the, next to the actual I, professional. I I'm just go it. like this. Yeah. Yeah. How's All it? Right. That was good. That was good. Now that's going to be on social media. That probably will. <laughs> there you go. Probably the last <laughs> one I got. <laughs> Ah, that's beautiful. That's great, man. I love that. Only way to segue uh, from that to anything would be, of course, with our KBO Sadness Report uh, to check in on the KT Wiz battling the fourth place LG Twins and uh, a heartbreaking 11-inning loss two nights ago 
for the Wiz. It was just a tough one. They came back late in the game. They tied it and they fell. Uh, yesterday, though, last night in the game, uh, good news for the Wiz on the road uh, against LG as they picked up an 11-7 win. It wasn't even uh, really that close. 11-5 win, excuse me. Wasn't even that close until the uh, very end. So rubber game of that series coming up. RJ, I, I can tell you are very fired up about this win last night. Yes, and don't give up, gentlemen. You know, you just never know about these, you know, leagues. My boys are coming back, man. I've got my hat, and we're rallying. We're only five games out. Rocking the lids, man. They're only five games out, and you know what? They have been scoring some serious runs lately, RJ. They they lost the previous night, but before that, in their other five games, they had outscored their opponents like forty-one to eight or hey, something ridiculous hey, like that. So with the runs, with the runs they're giving up, they better score some, son. Yeah, you know, come <laughs> on. <now. laughs> That's true. Bill has the whiz hat, blooper two, as uh, we call him. Yeah, yeah. thank yeah, you, Bob Allen, for all the hats. Rocking it, man. Rocking nice. It, I like that, man. Uh, Mel Rojas Jr., uh, his dad, the uh, longtime Expo, uh, his son, Mel Rojas Jr., he's he's putting up crazy numbers uh, for the Wiz, leads the league in home runs. Uh, he's an MVP candidate as uh, we approach the halfway point of that season. So that's exciting. That's exciting. That's our uh, KBO sadness report. And uh, we'll, you know, that'll be, I, I got to say something now. I don't know if I'm supposed to say it yet. Am I okay to say it? I'm going to say it. Uh, tomorrow will be the last social hour. Uh, because uh, we got baseball back. The Padres will start working out on Friday. So we were doing this basically just to, you know, fill time and help people kind of get through no baseball and the pandemic and quarantine. And obviously pandemic not going away, unfortunately, anytime soon, it sounds like. Uh, But uh, with baseball returning, uh, Padres, social media team, they'll have you covered other ways. Padres broadcast team will have you covered other ways. We will not be doing uh, the full social hour shows after tomorrow with uh, summer camp starting up on Friday. So what I was about to say is scans is I think more than anything, aside from, you know, the opportunity to, to hang out with you guys, I'll, I'll miss the daily whiz report. Cause I don't know that I'm going to be Googling KBO scores at seven o'clock in the morning anymore. Now that we don't have a show. I'm just being honest. Now, Jesse, I, I think you will be because that hat is going to be sitting on the counter right there, right next to Jonas Pumpkin. And you're going to say, you know what, I, I, I got to You're going to put the hat on in the middle of the night when no one's looking and you're going to start looking up scores. So <laughs> it'll be our little secret around here. I, mean, you know, Andy, I, I just personally know that I'm going to do it. I don't care if you do it or not, Jesse. I'm going to I'm going to check the whiz scores. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, you know. I'll call you every morning and check in. I mean, I'm. I'm actually thinking about maybe sending my resume over there. Seventy year old pitching coach might might not hurt. <laughs> that would that you would know. be like about the coolest thing that could go. I mean, that would be <laughs> that would be good I stuff. Hey, RJ, if you need a bullpen coach, I'm there with you, brother. Take me uh, with hey, you. We'll go over there as a Larry, team, all right? You, you, I got a funny feeling that Larry Rothschild's not going to miss either one of us. I tell you that, Scans. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> Spoken like a true tier 35 individual, RJ. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hey, this has been great, though, but, you know, I'm um, I'm curious to see what they're going to do then. They they still might need us, Jess. I'm not sure. No, no, no. They might need need social art. They might need it, though. No, no, no. No. (laughs) We're going to pivot into season mode. Yeah. You know what? That's a good thing. This this has been a total joy being able to be a part of the show. It's been a lot of fun. We've had great response from everybody. And Jesse, thank you for everything that you've done to make this happen. Yeah, Nikki, Shannon, Cole in the background. Fantastic job, you guys. Thanks for everything that you've done. And uh, RJ, it's always been a pleasure being on the show with you, my man. Uh, Thanks. 
Always, always honored. You're absolutely right. Everybody that's put this together for the last few months. I mean, uh, hey, God bless all of you, man. Let's keep baseball going. Yep. And, and we, we've done that with this little hour show, I think. No doubt. Big tip of the yeah, cap to the social cap. hour crew. Nice job, guys. Yeah, you know, you absolutely. Bet, guys. Absolutely. Well, it's not the end of the show. We're kind of sounding like it is, but it's not. We got a couple more things uh, to, to get to before we get out of here. But yes, thank you guys for the nice words. And as you said, thank you to everybody behind the scenes. Uh, tomorrow will be the 60th. 60th Pondre social hour that we uh, pulled off during this wow. crazy time uh, here in 2020. Um, a little look back at history. We were doing some on this date. Uh, we've got something else. When is this one from? This one is from 1997. This is a cool one. Our Padres memorable Jack. to left field. Brett Butler can't come up with it. The ball gets by him. Vaughn is in to score. Ricky Henderson will score. Steve Finley is heading home. Here comes Gwen digging for the plate. Trying to score. And relay throw. He is safe. And inside the park home run for Tony Gwynn. Grand slam home run. That was this week's memorable Padres Jack presented by Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box, open and ready to serve you. All of your favorites at the drive through on the mobile app and with delivery. One lucky fan who checks in on social media during tonight's show will win a Jack Cash card. So let us know that you are watching not only an Inside the Park Salami, uh, excuse me, not only an Inside the Park home run, but an Inside the Park Salami for Mr. Padre. Uh, scans, few things get uh, me going more than an Inside the Park home run. It's just the coolest thing. <laughs> Yeah, and they always say the most exciting play in baseball is the triple. I always thought, the triple? I mean, that's fine, but what about the inside the park home run? Does anything get more exciting than that? You, you just love looking over the third base coach, and he's got to go, let's go! So, I don't know, RJ, about you, but I, I love seeing the inside the park home run, except when I'm on the ground. I hate inside the park home runs. That means somebody butchered a play somewhere. Yeah. You know, come on. <laughs> you, don't get, you know, I can remember in St. Louis, I – I had a one nothing lead. Lou Brock had a little flare to center field on that Ashton Kirk in St. Louis. And Willie Davis in 75 was their center fielder. Uh, he, he he came up short. The ball bounced over his head and, and bounced all the way to the, the center field wall for a three-run home run. I lost three to one on an on a 80-foot pop-up. You yeah. know. Yeah, that old Astros is not going to do any favors. That's an inside the park home run, all right. But I wasn't overly happy about it. Let me put it. I get good. that. And a lot of time they're butchered, but that one right there with with Tony, I don't think anything was butchered. It's a nice diving attempt to try to get to the ball, and, and it gets by him. And after that, then you've got to see relay guys go out there to make the plays. You got to see good throws. I love seeing guys run around the bases. I love seeing plays <laughs> in the plate of it all, man. It's all good. It's baseball. We're going to get a chance to see it again. One of the things I love there, too, is if you watch that, Brett Butler, like, the moment he lands on the grass, his head goes down. Like, he knows. Like, he's like, ah. Oh. He knows. Like, yeah. you can just see it in the body language. He's so uh, exasperated and frustrated. All right. Uh, coming up tonight on Fox Sports San Diego at 7 o'clock, uh, Padre Classic game this is a fun one. Uh, early last season, Mad Bum on the Hill. Foggy night by the bay. Uh, down 5 nothing in the fifth inning. And Fernando Tatis Jr. batting sixth. Uh, on April 9th, I think, of last year. Starts the comeback, kickstarts it, and uh, the Padres would come back and do uh, fun things uh, against the Giants. Uh, this was a really exciting game early in the season, and it was one of those, I think, you know, you're a week and a half in, whatever it was, we started to realize, 
okay, th- th- this team has got some talent. They can do some exciting things. Fran Mill hit that one a mile. My goodness. And uh, Padres come back against the Giants. That is coming up tonight at 7 on Fox Sports San Diego. Uh, one last thing uh, to promote and get to before we get out of here. Not promote, uh, just uh, well wishes. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we have a former expo on the show today, Bob Scanlon. Uh, but a happy Canada Day to all of our Canadian friends, uh, if any are watching. And of course, from a Padre perspective, you got Naylor and Quantrill, both Canadians. Uh, Cal picked up his first major league win last year in Toronto, which I thought was one of the, the coolest storylines of the 2019 season. And then the Padres also drafted Owen Casey, uh, a Canadian. Uh, this year in the draft. So happy Canada Day to our uh, friends from the North. Bob, any good Canada Day stories from your Expos days? Oh, I had a great time up there. I know they they used to say bad things about that Olympic Stadium, but it's where I got my first big league hit was in that stadium. I ended up pitching for the Expos for a while as well. That's where Joe West started yelling at me from center field. I almost got kicked out of the ball game for doing nothing except for walking a guy. Um, so a lot of good memories there, especially on St. Catherine Street, right, RJ? Any memories over there, my man? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of memories. Yeah, nothing we can, <laughs> nothing we can share on the show, but yeah, I had some memories. You know, but oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, still, it, it, you know, those fans were great, man. They, they they got it the best way they could, and it was always interesting when we went to Montreal. That's all I can say, guys. Well, yeah. not only that, it was the last uh, big league uniform that I ever wore was a Montreal Expos uniform. So uh, I'm, I'm proud to have been a part of that organization. They put out a lot of great players. And you know what? If they do have expansion, I would vote for having Montreal being one of those cities. Yeah, sure. uh, I, I think it's near hey, the top of everybody's list if they're going to add a couple more teams. Excuse me. Before I let you run, though, I have to ask, did, did you did you actually keep a big league uniform from all the teams you played with? Every team except for one, the Detroit Tigers. I was number 54 for the really? Tigers that year, and they lost 110 ball games. What happened I there? That. I was a big contributor to that losing record, and I think <laughs> they just said, you know what? We're going to be churning and burning through so many players this year that we can't afford to let you take that uniform away. There's going to be six other guys that wear that number 54 before the season's over, so that's the only one I don't have. How about you, RJ? You got all your big league jerseys? Nah, yeah, but it was pretty simple, big guy. It was just, you know, two teams, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, nobody can mess that up. And I've got those here in the house. But, uh, you know, obviously my my favorite year is a lot of pottery stuff here in the the office. You might be able to, may not be able to see it's on the other wall, but it's here. You know. And you know what the awesome thing is? You don't even have to be in the RJ house to see the memorabilia. Just go to Petco Park and see his number retired every day. Oh, beautiful thing. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah, I love you. Game. You can check out uh, plenty of good Randy Jones memorabilia. All right. Uh, thank you both uh, so much, not just for today, but everything you guys have contributed these last few months on this show. Uh, you guys you. make this very fun for me, and I know for everybody watching and listening as well. Uh, you guys, you guys Thanks, are the Jesse. best. I really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Yeah. All right, uh, job, RJ and Scans, the little lefty and the big righty. Uh, huge thank you to those guys, everybody behind the scenes, everybody watching, listening, hanging out. Again, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, Donna Mudd will be here, our final Padres social hour of 2020, and hopefully something resembling normal baseball coverage coming after that. Yes. Keep everybody as healthy as possible. Have a great night, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow at 530, and happy Canada Day. <laughs>